Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Old Time Radio Forever. Your host, Matt Perry here. We have a new sponsor that I would love to give a shout out to, the Military True Crime Addict Podcast. The Military True Crime Addict Podcast deals with some of the most famous or infamous members of the military, whether they did their crimes while they were in the service or after their service, like David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, Jeffrey Dahmer, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, or the Golden State killer. All of those guys had military background, and this podcast dives into the deep, dark areas of military true crime. I thought with my listeners, how much you all love crime stories and murder and mayhem stories, that this would be a perfect fit. So I want you to check out their podcast. Again, it's Military True Crime Addict. You can find it on all of your podcast directories. Today, we're going to stick with the crime theme. We're going to go to the most famous detective of all time, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. This podcast is brought to you by Military True Crime Addict, a podcast focusing on true life events of military personnel, veterans, and those associated with the military. Give a voice to the victims and hear their side of the story. Raise awareness of the heinous crimes and support those most impacted. Military True Crime Addict is available wherever you get your podcasts and you don't need to know anything about the military to listen. Now, back to the show. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, the original and immortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized anew with Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson and Sir John Gielgud in the role of Sherlock Holmes. Ladies and gentlemen, I think I may have shown in the course of these narratives of mine that the exploits of my friend Sherlock Holmes ranged from affairs of the humblest order to matters concerning the very highest in the land. Of the latter, there are many which perhaps can never be told for reasons of diplomacy or even scandal. And in those that can... Dates and names sometimes must be disguised, even now. Particularly in the unusual adventure which I have called the Second Stage. Mrs. Hudson, you seem a little overawed, if I may say so. Oh, it's the gentleman, sir. The two gentlemen to see you waiting downstairs, sir. Well, we've seen gentlemen before, Mrs. Hudson. Yes, our lives would hardly be economically possible without our visiting clients. But it's... Oh, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, sir, in Baker Street, my humble house. Come, come, Mrs. Hudson, not the Prince of Wales. Oh, not far off, sir. It's the Prime Minister, sir. 
So into our humble sitting room came those three great men. Lord Bellinger, the tenure, and his companion, the Secretary for European Affairs, the Right Honorable Trelawney Pope. Well, gentlemen, I think that I may have the honor to be of some service to you. You are our only hope, Mr. Holmes. The Prime Minister suggested you at once. The moment I told him about this, the law, it was impossible for us to go to the police. The full law, sir, indeed. Yes, to inform the police would be to inform the public. And that is what we particularly desire to avoid. An important street document is missing. This lay while in Mr. Hope's possession. And it is of such importance that peace or war may hang upon the issue. I understand, my lord. But uh, this gentleman, your companion, Dr. Watson, is in my confidence in everything I undertake. Indeed, it is really almost impossible for me to embark upon a case without him. You can rely upon his discretion implicitly. To the very utmost, gentlemen, I promise it. Very well, then. It's a letter, Mr. Holmes. I can tell you that it's a letter from... From a certain foreign potentate, Mr. Holmes. Let us leave it so. Quite so, for the moment, at least. Well, when was it received, may I ask? Six days ago. It was so important that I've never even left it in my safe. I've taken it across each evening to my house in Whitehall Terrace and kept it in a locked dispatch box in my bedroom. It was there last night. You're certain of that? Quite certain. I opened the box while I was dressing for dinner and saw it there. This morning, it was gone. The box itself? No, only the letter. My wife and I are both like sleepers, Mr. Holmes. We're both prepared to swear that no one could have entered the room during the night. And yet the paper's gone. At what time do you dine, Mr. Hope? Half past seven. And how long was it before you went to bed? My wife had gone to a theater. I waited up for her. It was half past eleven before we retired to our room. Yes. Then for four hours the box had lain unguarded. No one is ever permitted to enter that room, except two trusted servants who are beyond suspicion. Who else knew of the existence of that letter? No one in the house. Not your wife? No, sir. I said nothing to her until I missed the paper this morning. Is there anyone else, my lord, in England who could possibly know of the existence of this letter? Only the members of the cabinet, Mr. Holmes. But all under the pledge of secrecy which attends every cabinet meeting. And abroad? I believe no one save the man who wrote it. And may I ask his name? Mr. Holmes. The envelope is a long, thin one of a pale blue color. That is all I think that you need to know. Well, I'm quite aware that you are two of the busiest men in the country, and in my own small way I have a good many calls upon my time. I regret exceedingly that I cannot help you in this matter. Watson, would you kindly ring the bell? Mr. Holmes, how dare you? I am not a... Hmm. Very well. We must accept your terms, I suppose. No doubt it is unreasonable of us to expect you to act without our entire confidence. Thank you, my lord. Pray sit down again, Watson. Ah. Now then, gentlemen. The letter is from a certain foreign potentate who has been ruffled by some recent colonial developments in this country. It was written hurriedly and in anger, on his own responsibility entirely. And his ministers know nothing about it. You mean His Highness the Crown Prince of Easter? Oh, 
Very well, sir. Let me write it down on this slip of paper. Am I correct, my lord? Quite correct. And you see at once the implications. If that document should fall into the hands of any other chancellery in Europe, a breach will be made between this potentate and our country with fatal consequences. You must find it, Holmes. Great heavens, you must, sir. My whole future depends on it. I shall do my best to help you, Mr. Hope. I can do no more. But if the theft occurred last night before you retired, as it must have done, the paper must at this moment be speeding on its way to the continent as fast as steam can take it. There's only one course open to you. What is it, sir? Prepare for war, my lord. I shall do what I can, but at least prepare for war. Good day, gentlemen. What do you intend to do? There are several foreign agents, big names among the international spy ring. If one of them should be missing, especially if he's disappeared since last night, we shall then have some indication of where the letter may have gone. Ah, yes, yes. But if, if none of them is missing, then we can take it that the letter hasn't left the country yet. That would be something of a miracle. And in that case... Well, I might be able to get it back. After all, I have the whole British treasury behind me. <laughs> if it's on the market, I'll buy it back, even if it means another penny on the income tax. Huh. But who, who are the likely agents? Only three that are big enough. Oberstein, Lavoisier, and Eduardo Lucas. Huh? Holmes! Holmes! My dear fellow, you look so white. What on earth's the matter? Holmes! Heaven knows you've astonished me more than once with some spectacular announcement. Now it's my turn. Well, what's Eduardo Lucas Holmes. You said Lucas, I think. Yes, of course. Of the Dolphin Street? Exactly. You won't see Lucas Holmes. And why not, pray? He was murdered in his house last night. Lucas, you don't mean it. I was reading about it before our visitors arrived. Eduardo Lucas, the well-known society planner and distinguished amateur tenor, murdered most brutally by a knife in the heart. What uh, an amazing coincidence, Holmes. Coincidence, man! Great heavens, you can't really mean it. And a moment later, our modest apartment, already so distinguished that morning, was further honored by the entrance of the loveliest woman in London, nay, in the world. I'd often heard of the beauty of the youngest daughter of the Duke of Belminster, but no description, no contemplation of a lifeless photograph had prepared me for the subtle, delicate charm and the beautiful modeling of that exquisite head. And I am not, I think, without taste, as a judge in such things. Yet that morning, the lovely cheek was paled with emotion. The eyes were bright, but with the brightness of fever, of terror. Mr. Holmes, I beg you, has my husband been here? Yes, madam, he has. Oh, I beg you, implore you to say nothing to him of this visit of mine. Lady Hilda, you place me in a very delicate position. Mr. Holmes. There was a most deplorable occurrence at our house last night. Oh, you must know. But, but since it was a political matter, my husband refuses to take me into his complete confidence. Indeed. What was that, Mr. Cooper? What was it? Madam, that is something I cannot answer. If your husband thinks fit to keep you in the dark, it is hardly for me to tell you. I am pledged to professional secrecy. Well, tell me at least, then. 
For heaven's sake, is my husband's professional career likely to suffer through the incident? Yes, I fear so. Oh, Mr. Holmes, from something that my husband said when he first discovered the loss this morning, I... Please go on. I understand the terrible public consequences might arise from the loss of this document. Perhaps even... War. He said so, Lady Hilda. It is not for me to deny it. Won't you tell me, Mr. Holmes? I implore you. What was that missing paper? Then I must take up no more of your time. I can't blame you if you feel you can't speak more freely. The matter must have been very grave indeed before you were ever consulted. And I'm sure you won't think the worse of me for wanting to share my husband's anxieties, even, even against his will. I can only beg you once again to say nothing of my visit. It would only worry him the more. Good day, gentlemen. Well, well, wasn't, wasn't that important? The fair sex, Watson, that is your department, I think. Yes, when you finish gazing out of the window to get a last glimpse of our elegant charmer, perhaps you'll be kind enough to tell me what you think she came for. Oh, surely, surely, her own statement was clear enough, Holmes. Her anxiety was very natural. Yes, no doubt. Yet you must have observed how very prettily she maneuvered her chair so as to keep her back to the light. She didn't want us to read her expression, Watson. Well, good morning, Watson. What? What are you, you going, Holmes? Oh, just for a little while. To the Dolphin Street, I think. Our friendless trade of the yard is sure to be there by this time. Eduardo Lucas murdered. There lies the solution, Watson. Do you stay on guard here, my dear fellow, and receive any further distinguished visitors who may honor our humble abode whilst I am away? I'll join you for lunch, Watson. Cutlets and green peas, if you could think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas fellow has been a bit of a dog in his time. 
very handsome kind of chap and so forth. He's been living a double life. It seems he had a wife in Paris. Well, he's been going it a bit in London, you know, one way or another. So we reckon she got jealous. According to the Paris fellow, she'd gone quite mad since Tuesday. And it was established that she'd been in London on the night of the murder. She was seen near Godolphin Street. Yes, yes. If it could only have been some kind of coincidence like that. Otherwise, the thing would have been public property by this time. <laughs> what is it, Mr. Holmes? Strikes me your mind hardly on the business. I don't thought it would have appealed to you. Oh, nothing, Mr. nothing at all. Uh, what was it you said just now might interest me over at Lucas's house? Ah, yes. Uh, the one small detail, Mr. Holmes, nothing very important, you know. Just a bit freakish. We'd best go round to the house and I'll show you. You too, Doctor, eh? Rather in your line as well. Oh, really? Oh, of course. You know, I might even call it the mystery of the second stage, gentlemen. The murder solved, but there's still a mystery of the second stage, eh? <laughs> hey, come in. Let's round the ship off in the Here, day and night. But so I noticed him as we came in. Now then, we didn't notice to tidy things up a bit today. Now the body's been buried and such, and the whole thing's gone. Well, the rug isn't fastened down, as he only just meant there. We need occasion to raise it. And we found a blood stain there. See the blood stain on the rug? Yes, yes. Now then, a great deal of blood must have soaked through, eh? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, it must. And if you'll be surprised, Doctor, for well, there isn't a stain on the white woodwork that needs to correspond. But uh, well, there must be no stain. It's, it's impossible. So you'd say. Now look at the underside of the rug. The stain is the upper, see? Yes, there isn't a mark on the floor. Over here. Now then, there's a stain on the woodwork, but it's another part of the rug altogether. What do you make of that, eh? Oh, come on, you don't seem to be telling me this. Oh, it's, uh, it's simple enough, surely. The two stains did correspond, but the rug's been turned round. You see me? <laughs> we hardly need Mr. Holmes's famous methods to tell us that, Dr. Watson. Now, my dearest didn't you say that the constable out there had been in constant charge of this place? Yes, he has. Well, then take my advice, Lestrade. Go out and examine him privately. Don't do it here before I feel awake in this room. Ask him how he dares to admit strange people and leave them alone in this room. No, no, don't ask him. Tell him. Take it for granted. What? By George! If he has, I'll get it out of him. You mean... I mean, hurry, man. Hurry. Do I, right, sir? I'll do it at once. Now then, Watson, in heaven's name, get off that rug. Huh? What, Holmes? Well, come on, sir. What do you mean? The rug. Pull away the rug. Huh? Turn it right back. Huh? Now, quick, examine the drawer underneath it. 
There must be a cavity here. Cavity? What, what do you mean, Holmes? The board, man. The floorboard. Huh? Look for a loose one. Huh? Oh. Here, I've got it, Watson. It's a hole. It's a kind of, kind of safe, yes? Ah, it is empty. I might have known. Get the rug in place again quickly, Watson. Ah, the safe's coming back. Quick! Quick! Here we are. That's all right. Well, you were right, Mr. Holmes. McPherson here has confessed. I'm sorry, sir. I'm really sorry. I, I never meant any harm. I never said you did. What happened? A young woman, sir, came to the door. Last night, it was. Uh-huh. I took the house, she said. And then we got talking. It's kind of lonesome when you're on duty, you know. And... Well, man, speak up. Uh, so she asked if she could see where the crime was done. I didn't see any harm. She just had a peep. And, and you let her in here, eh? Well, she said, coaxing away, sir. Then when she saw the blood, you see, yes, yes. She kind of fainted, sir, right down on the rug here. Did she indeed? And so you went to get some water, I suppose, to bring her round? Yes, sir, from the kitchen downstairs. And she was all right when I came back, and then she went away. I didn't mean any harm, sir. Well, McPherson, did you notice anything about the rug when you came back, eh? The rug? Hmm. Well, sir, it was a bit kind of rumpled when it she fell, so I just straightened it, sort of. I see. McPherson, come over here, would you? I want to show you something. Yes. Excuse me a moment, gentlemen. Now, look here, McPherson. This photograph. Do you recognize it? Good Lord, yes, sir. How did you know? <laughs> Never mind. Come, Watson. Thank you. Thank you, Constable McPherson. You've inspired me, man. And perhaps you've saved your country, too. Eh? Well, look here, mister. Oh. You two let's trade, of course. My best congratulations. Good day, gentlemen. Congratulations. Good day. I hurried after him. He was at his most typical, his most excited, as he was at the climax of all his great solutions. I could only marvel, could only share the excitement of the extraordinary man by my side as we were ushered into the great house in Whitehall Terrace and waited for Lady Hilda. This is surely most unfair and ungenerous of you. I implored you to keep our business relations a secret. Unfortunately, Lady Hilda, I had no possible alternative but to visit you in pursuit of my commission from the Prime Minister. How do you mean? I know everything, Lady Hilda. I know of your visit to Eduardo Lucas when you gave him that document. I know, too, of your ingenious return to his room last night and the device which you used to get the letter back again from its hiding place under the rug. You're mad, Mr. Holmes. No, no, Lady Hilda. I have no wish to cause you pain or to reproach you for your rash behavior. But the policeman on duty recognized you from the photograph that I showed him. Oh, oh yes. Yes, it's true. Why did you take it, madam? Quickly, quickly, the time is short. Blackmail. Oh. A letter I wrote long ago when I was a girl... It was all a misunderstanding, but if it had come into my husband's hands, it would have broken his heart. Lucas got hold of that somehow. Yes. I had no idea he was such a man. He always seemed so charming. Then one day, he told me that he had that letter of mine, and that I could only have it back if I took him in exchange a certain document from my husband's dispatch box. 
That's the one you see on the desk there. Well? He said it was all quite harmless, a, a kind of joke. Oh, I was nearly demented with fear. I, I took an impression of the key, and Lucas had a duplicate made. And I took the paper to his house. And what happened there, Lady Hilda? It was like a horrible dream. As I went in, I saw a woman washing the house. A strange, dark woman. I gave Lucas the paper and he gave me my letter. Then there was a sound at the door and Lucas pulled back the rug and pushed the paper into a hiding place there. And then... Then, then, madam? The door burst open and the woman came in. The one I'd seen outside. She was screaming something about at last I found you with her. And I ran out in a panic and, and the last I saw was that she snapped a dagger down from the wall and was rushing at him like a wild cat. Oh, I can't go off. You must, Lady Hilda. <laughs> I suppose you realize next day that the paper was more important than you thought. Yes. Yes. That was why I came to you. I saw ruin facing us. The whole world in arms because of myself. Somebody's coming home. My husband. I know he's dead. Oh, I can't face him at home. Then what shall I do? You told your story well, Lady Hilda. Quickly, give me the letter and the keys. Here it is. Thank you. Watson, pass me the dispatch box. Now, here, down among the other papers. Yes, deep down. Good. Good. Now we're ready for it. Go quickly, Lady Hilda. Get the door there. Compose yourself. All will be well. Oh, heaven bless Heaven bless you both. Oh, Mr. Holmes, they told me you were here. What news have you? I have good news, sir. What? Lord Bellinger, do you hear? You mean you have the paper, Mr. Holmes? Not yet, my lord. That is why I am here. What do you mean? I'm not convinced Mr. Hope of the paper has ever left this house at all. But it's impossible. If it had, it would have been made public by this time. No, gentlemen, it's still here, I think. You have my assurance that it left the box, Mr. Holmes. I'm not convinced even of that, sir. Oh, come, this joking is ill timed. It's unworthy of you. The box is there, Hope. It's easy enough decided. Mr. Holmes, if you're joking on such an issue... I never joke, Lord Bellinger, as Dr. Watson will tell you. Absurd. A report from Lord Mello, a memorandum from Bell Gray, and a note from Madrid. Report from... Great heavens. My lord. My lord. The blue envelope. And the letter intact. It's inconceivable. And you're a sorcerer, Mr. Holmes. How did you know it was there? Because I knew it could be nowhere else. I must tell my wife. Hilda. Hilda, my dear. All's well. Mr. Holmes. Oh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, there's more in this than meets the eye, How did it come there? How? You must allow us, sir, to keep our little diplomatic secret. Good day to you, my lord. I am always at your service and at the service of my country. Come, Watson. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, have been dramatized anew with original music composed by Sidney Torch. Sir Ralph Richardson played the part of Dr. Watson, and Sir John Gilgood that of Sherlock Holmes. The program was produced by Harry Allen Towers.